When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Some of the people that got turned on to it were organizational leaders who suddenly realized, hey, actually, we get some pretty good productivity out of folks if they're not in the office. <laughs> but for a lot of folks who have been called back into their office setting, uh, they're making a move to do something different. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Brian Cumberford, who is a digital leader and serial entrepreneur, notably as co-founder of RadioValve.com, an iRadio station among the first generation of webcasters. He served as an adjunct professor at the University of Denver, his alma mater, in the Digital Media Studies Department. He currently serves as the co-chair of the CIO Working Group for the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers and is a board member of the Adoption Exchange, which is near and dear to my heart, as well as a design partner for Foxit Software, Assurance Global, and Vertifor. In addition, he's got another hat that he wears, and he is the co-host of the podcast Lead EXE. And you can find his podcast on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. I've appeared on Lead EXE twice. They've got some great guests. Uh, the conversation is always exciting entertaining and thoughtful go listen to this podcast i really enjoy it and i'm proud to be able to promote it for these guys nick and and brian are two great 
co-hosts. So today our conversation centers around the term, the great resignation. Why so many are saying, I quit. So we explore this phenomenon through a variety of different angles and tangents, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Well, my book, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improvisation, has been released, I hope. See, the paperback edition is scheduled to be released on October 6th and the Kindle ebook on November 3rd. I'm recording this intro on September 28th, and we are diligently putting the final touches and edits to the book, and we want it to be completed by October 1st. Now, we might miss the release date if Amazon quality control is backed up or they have questions for us. So you can check the status of the book by going to www.offscriptimprov.com and you'll be redirected to the book page on Amazon. Let's hopefully October 6th is still going to be good. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't, share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate support. If you got a few extra minutes, leave a review. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one in the coming weeks. I'm a little bit backed up on my video production because of the book, but now that we're coming to the end of the book, I will get this all caught up within the next 30 days. And while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any future updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually in person and on site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Brian Comfort. Yeah, I got one of my favorite guests back, uh, Brian Cumberford. And, uh, but this time it's just Brian and I. We, we've decided to shed uh, Nick and Roxanne and just That's have right. a conversation one-on-one because I don't know if, if you feel this way, Brian, but it seems like when the four of us together, Nick and Roxanne just monopolize the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm always worried about that with them. <laughs> yeah i hope they both listen to this episode i'm gonna get an earful when we're done <laughs> well i just hope that you and i can allow one another to talk 
that it will be a challenge. It'll be, and, and I've been working on my interrupting skills by interrupting more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we were sitting here thinking about what do we want to talk about today? And Brian said, how about the great resignation? Yes. And, yeah. and, and tell us, I, I, I've never heard, I haven't heard that term yet. So that's new to me. So can you put some context around the great resignation? Yes, this is something that I keep seeing coming up in uh, business publications and coming up in circles for some of these advisory groups that I'm part of. It's a it's a real thing. I think there's a couple of different factors. The pandemic sort of turned on a lot of folks to the idea of remote work who had not ever really been a part of that before. Some of the people that got turned on to it were organizational leaders who suddenly realized, hey, actually, we get some pretty good productivity out of folks if they're not in the office. <laughs> but, uh, but for a lot of folks who have been called back into their office setting, uh, they're making a move to do something different and go elsewhere. And sometimes that includes starting your own business, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and for some folks, they've just kind of resigned themselves uh -huh, to uh, <laughs> uh, to maybe maybe uh, it's a good time to just kind of ride things out and and not even have a job until everything kind of settles with um, whatever's happening with the global pandemic so uh, wow that that just scares me to death uh, the new word that I learned when I was at Victoria's Secret I got offboarded it's oh. just a nicer way of saying fired or laid off or whatever. Yeah. But rare, that was the only small period of time that I was ever without a job and it just didn't feel right. And I can't imagine going, you're my boss, going, I, you know, I don't have a job. I don't want this job. I'm going to go find another job. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I, if you were bringing together the phrases Victoria's Secret and offboarding uh, into the same sentence, I, you know, it might conjure a different image for me than what you just described. So that one does have, an un unhappier ending than what I had envisioned, by the way. <laughs> yes, actually, yes. It, 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 and there, there are a, a company here based out, we're, we're based out of Columbus, Ohio. And sometime I'll, I'll tell you this, some of the story about how that all just dissolved for the most part. But back to the great resignation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think part of the the first sort of intimations that I heard around this were related to folks who were suddenly, quote unquote, making more money by just taking their unemployment benefits and whatever the added stimulus was on top of that, uh, because, you know, in some total, they were suddenly making more money by not going back to work than they were actually being part of the workforce. So disincentivized them from actually finding new employment after having been offboarded, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I also question how much, how much of that is true. You know, I mean, I, I guess if it's in your own economic interests to just keep, uh, you know, cash in the checks that are coming in and you're doing better than you were and you're getting ahead faster than you were by actually being employed, then that makes perfect sense. But ultimately I also have a belief that people like to be engaged in something that makes them feel like they're contributing to something meaningful. So I think there's probably as much of that uh, dimension to the choices folks are making right now, because they've had a little bit of time to reflect and they realize, yeah, I don't feel like I was contributing to something very meaningful in what I was doing before. 
I'm just going to take this time to figure out what that could be. Okay. So, but what about the white collar corporate tower individuals who I can still remember hearing you're not going to be productive if you're working from home. The perception is that you're home eating bonbons and watching Oprah or Ellen or whomever. And then all of a sudden we were shoved into that. Okay. Everybody's got to go home and work from there. And it's like, yeah, to your point, I'm like, hey, we are productive. And this is working. It took a while, but now you know, we're telling people to come back to work and they're going, no. I like to eat bonbons in between Zoom meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I like Zoom fatigue. I'm okay with this. <laughs> Yes, that's a, and that ties into a different theme, which is the great weight gain that's come along for many of us <laughs> in combination with Zoom fatigue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I, I put. I remember the freshman ten, uh, but I put on the COVID nineteen. That's what nineteen stands for—the minimum amount of weight you're going to gain during right. this pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, if, if 19 were where it stopped, you know. <laughs> That's why I said the minimum amount. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Peter, because uh, before the pandemic, you know, Nick and I obviously co-produce a, a podcast on leadership and technology and remote workforce was always this topic that we heard, uh, you know, continually criticized for the reasons that you stated that, you know, executives tend not to have a belief that you're going to get any, anything done if you're actually doing that work from your home. But in the tech industry in particular, a lot of the workforce has already been sort of attenuated to the idea that now I, I, I get my work done and I get it done, you know, on my time, as long as the, the work's getting delivered, you know, that's success. And as an entrepreneur myself, you know, in, in years past, home was my office. And part of the challenge that I experienced then is actually what I've experienced <laughs> as a rerun during the pandemic, which is working from home can leave you in a place where you never know when to turn off. Right. Mm. And so the productivity may just keep going and going. So there has been an upside for certain, uh, you know, companies that are now measuring that and realizing, Hey, this is actually, this is a pretty good thing. We're getting some, some pretty good productivity out of people. But I think Nick has said it many times in, in other conversations that we've had that people are going to figure out how to goof off uh, inside the walls of your office building just as easily as they can at home. So if that's their proclivity to do so, <laughs> then that's a different challenge, right? That's, that's like a management challenge, uh, you know, versus a location challenge. It's, a, it's an ego challenge. It's it's that control factor that mm -hmm. I want. I want to have that control over the masses or whatever, and I want them back in here because it's it's my belief, not the belief of my people, but it's my belief that they're going to be productive here, even though they've shown me and we've seen the research and everything. I think that they're probably more productive working, you know, from home. But it's it's that a lot of that control factor that goes into it, and and not really. I just talked to um, there's there's a, a CPA firm in Boston who I'm doing some work for, and they said that their managing partner, the executive committee, basically surveyed all of 
the, the employees, what do you want to do? Work from home, hybrid, come back in. And basically everybody said, we'll do a hybrid model. We'll, we'll come back, but maybe for one or two days and stay three days home. Nobody's, well, you have natural attrition in, in accounting firms, but it hasn't hyped itself up versus a firm who's bringing people, making them, demanding them that they come back and people bolting from that point. Yeah. Well, here's the challenge with corporate demands at this point. There's enough companies out there who are willing to have that kind of flexibility for their workforce that for people who are being told you're going to have to come back into the office or you're going to have to be in four days and we'll entertain letting you work remote for one day or we're going to change your base salary structure because you're now working from uh, the countryside uh, versus being in a municipality. Folks who hear that kind of message, you know, where there's there's a demand, right? Uh, I think are saying, okay, well, I'm I'm going to take a hike then because there's a bunch of other companies here who are going to give me the flexibility that I would prefer. So it's it has shifted, I think, you know, sort of um, the the preferences to the labor force versus the uh, corporate marketplace to dictate that. Right, and but it just ceases to amaze me that. Manage, senior management are, are making demands without even surveying their people. It's, it, and I, I'm, I'm, it, it's got to be my generation that's doing it. It's, it's, the, it's the baby boomer generation sure. uh, that, and, and some probably some older type of, of longstanding companies uh, who, who haven't evolved into today, even though what we had, what we were forced to do, we still lack trust in, our, in the people that we hire. Well, it's true. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think that's a, that's a leadership challenge, right? That's a reflection of a leadership style that I think really started to disappear at the end of the nineties. And when you think about it, that's right around the same time that you started hearing a lot of sort of this corporate uh, strategy shtick, right? Where employee experience became this new phrase that was introduced and, and suddenly there's corporations all over a variety of industries. Oh yeah, we've got, we've got an employee experience initiative. That's one of our, you know, strategic objectives. Well, that's great and everything. <laughs> and you kind of think about where much of that came from. It was, it was sort of companies like Apple and Microsoft that started that trend, right? It's not just jeans on Friday, it's jeans every day, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's dress for your day. You know, we, we trust that you have a level of awareness as a professional that if we've got clients coming in the office, maybe you're going to suit up a little differently than if you're just spending the day working on a, uh, you know, an RFP response or something. Right. Right. Just thinking about, it's just that, that overall lack of trust, which I, why then why do you why do you hire people why you know I, i'm going to hire you am, am i just hiring a number or just a body to put in place or am i hiring somebody that's actually going to fit in this job fit in this road do what we need to do and, and until they prove me wrong and i can't trust them i'm going to trust them and to nick's we all goof off the great resignation i got the the great the, the distractor amazon <laughs> bottom line I thought you were going to say Netflix, but yeah, Amazon's up there too. 
for me, it's more like Wikipedia. You know, I find myself <laughs> going down these trails of things that are fascinating to me. <laughs> oh my <God>. Wikipedia, <laughs> or, or maybe better yet, YouTube. Yes, yes. I've I've lost hours at times throughout a day. Just hey, what, what's on YouTube? What can I find? Oh, cool! This is cool. I'm gonna watch. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna watch this funny cat video or something. Right. Well, and that's, uh, you know, much of that is this uh, era of, you know, what we've called Web 2.0, right? Uh, this right. emergence beyond uh, the static, right? Where, where the content's just being served to you and you're consuming it to more of this preference orientation, right? We're, we're moving through things in the way that we want to. That's where the whole kind of cut the cable movement came from. It's not that you're watching less junk uh that you're consuming <laughs> to your screen it's just that now it's a, a preference-based consumption of junk right? it's that a la carte version of junk <laughs> that's right yeah i've got different things i can choose on because of my interest if i'm going to take some time to goof off this is what i'm going to do mm -hmm. but i think it still comes back that 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 associate that employee still knows they have a deadline they still know they have a project that that they have to do so they might now be staying instead of cutting out of work at five, they may have to work till six. But right. I think there's much more flexibility in that working from home than being in the office. Um, and it depends on the overall corporate culture that maybe every, you know, if I work for somebody, everybody left at five. Mm -hmm. I mean, cleared out. Right. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> well, I might, if everybody's doing it, I might as well do it. And yeah. then if you, if you go home, I don't know. We used to take our work home with us. I don't think much of that is happening because we are home. It's true. <laughs> well, you know, and, and honestly, my uh, personal productivity has fallen because, you know, I used to take the commuter train to and from work. And so that was that was 30 minutes of quality me time that I got, you know, uh, each direction, you know, a couple times a day. And, uh, and that disappeared, uh, you know, because I don't have the commute. And so, uh, so consequently, I have to be deliberate in, in finding that just as I have to be deliberate, you know, whether it's my, my health monitor chiming and telling me it's time to get up and move around, or it's just me looking out the window and realizing, hey, it's kind of a beautiful day. You know, I'm, I'm going to take 15 minutes and walk around the block and get away from a screen, right? Those become part of the new pattern that you have to invoke, I think, to, uh, to kind of shake up, you know, what otherwise for a lot of us uh, just keeps us tied to the desk. So out of curiosity, when you were commuting to and from working at that 30 minutes or 30 minutes back, what, what, were you, what were you listening to? What were you reading? What were you doing? Or are you just napping? I guess it depended on the day, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I do a lot of writing, so it was always okay. uh, a good opportunity for me to write, uh, but it was also a good opportunity for me to read. And then occasionally, you know, I would get hooked on a, a podcast like this show and, uh, and it would be the kind of thing where I'd find myself staring out the window, listening to a couple of guys like us jabber on about something that <laughs> was apparently interesting enough to hold my interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I had those opportunities that I was commuting back and forth, especially if it was like 30 minutes or so, I, I would, well, we didn't call them podcasts back then, but it was just like the radio or, or just 
uh, re- uh, of reading the newspaper or the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, got right. it in your hand, big thing, and just sitting there and just consuming the day's news, the day's business news, whether going from. But yeah, I, do you do much of that? I mean, I don't. I'm not inclined to pick up a paper, look at the paper anymore, or or even go to a news site. I, I've kind of lost that 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 interest. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I probably lost that interest, but. Yes. Uh, you know, probably like most people, I've got RSS feeds set up that have their own algorithms behind them that have determined here are the things that I tend to veer off on when I'm looking at digital content. Right. So it keeps trying to serve me up more of that as if that's, you know, that's, I mean, perhaps for some people, that's, that's what they do. They just get into one groove and they kind of stay there, but I'm, I'm more all over the map. But I think the detriment to that, and we've seen a lot of this, especially in the last few years, you know, we now have entirely biased based content that is being served up in this unlimited fashion. And those algorithms are part of what just keeps scooping up another helping, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think the variety of perspective has continued to narrow into things that a lot of folks, you know, they, they'll just ignore everything else because they only want to consume these things that validate whatever their biases are already. Right. Yeah. And that, that in itself, I think being the big, great divide (laughs) within the country is, you know, Oh, I, I get all my news out of CNN. Okay. Well then you're going to have, as we used to call it back in the day, the Clinton news network. <laughs> then you've got Fox over here who's on the, who's on the right and I'm going to get all my news from there and it is very bias based and but do you think that bias based this feeding of information is also part of why people are going I'm out of here I'm done I just can't work at this place because of x y and z that, do you think that's part of it as well you know, that could be, I mean, we've certainly seen a lot of this urban flight, right? Where people are now no longer feeling like they need to stay in an urban center mm-hmm. for their work. And particularly if their work is of a, a certain level where they're, uh, you know, maybe they're more consultative or, you know, their day is uh, made up of producing office product for clients versus having to physically put your hand on something, you know, for your clients. And so, uh, so those folks have, you know, a lot of them, especially in Colorado, where I live, we've seen this explosion of, you know, the real estate market up in the mountains because people are like, well, you know, I used to have a mountain home and I lived in the city and, you know, and the mountain home was the place that I'd go to occasionally, but now I can get great internet access in the mountains. And so I'll, I'll sell the place in the city and I'll live in the mountains or I'll turn the place in the city into a rental or whatever. And, right. uh, you know, and now it's like, why not, why not have a lifestyle that's, that's based more around these things that I, I would prefer to be spending most of my time doing versus feeling like, you know, I'm rowing on the slave ship. <laughs> my, 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 my niece is, uh, works, uh, in the corporate office for Macy's. And she lived in um, Queens, in Astoria, uh, mm-hmm. for uh, she had an apartment like eight, nine years, rent controlled, whatever. Oh, sure. And when this when this all came down, 
she was working with mom. So this is a New York City apartment. You know, I can I can touch all four walls at the same time without moving two inches. You know, so she ended up moving back back home and and moved back in with her, her mother. And I mean, it's been over a year, and they've survived mm. each other. But so why won't I, I? I love I love New York. Don't get me wrong, but why am I going to pay those dollars when I can go well, rent free? But you know, mm. go someplace that it's not everybody's on top of everybody be able to kind of spread out yeah that's part of this great uh resignation is yeah no question where we're gonna live and why would i continue you know i think we were touching on this at the beginning we've seen this lull in people returning to work who have been unemployed or mm -hmm. you know have been furloughed or whatever it is and again i think it has as much to do with the time people have been allotted to be able to reflect on what is the purpose of what they're delivering through their work, because I truly do believe people are, you know, purpose oriented. I mean, yeah, we all need some form of income, right. To get all the bills paid, but if suddenly you've got an opportunity to take that time and to reflect, you know, we've also seen a lot of these very creative businesses that have propped up and more and more, I think there's an orientation for folks to think, you know, maybe this was a blessing because, uh, you know, being a server in a restaurant, it's lucrative and, you know, it gave me flexibility in my schedule and everything, but it's, it's still just a J O B right. Mm -hmm. a, a just over broke. So maybe <laughs> I can, <laughs> maybe I can move on to something that's more rewarding and take a little bit of time and, you know, take some classes or get a certification and, and I can go work for a company where I do have some kind of remote work uh, opportunity that's afforded to me. I think that's, uh, that's true as well. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. And, and thinking, thinking about that, it, it also, I find it funny, haha, that, okay, we're going to furlough half of our employees. We're not offboarding them, we're furloughing them. Just mm -hmm. And let them, uh, but then when things turn around, we want them to come back uh, for the right. same wage, by the way, <laughs> yeah, for the same wage at the same company that just laid me off. Uh, and, and I, you know, I had to collect unemployment or, I, or whatever, but then they turn around and said, we want you back. I know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I'm not saying thinking that's a, that's goes up against leadership as well, because that's. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. We, we all agree about that. But there are still some companies that still are able to keep their employees because they, they, they went through the PPP loans. They, they, they have to lay off sure. people. Yeah. And I think, I think part of that could be the short sightedness of, of our economy when, you know, with the, especially if you're a, a publicly traded company, you're quarterly bound. Right. Versus thinking out, you know, strategically over the next two or three years. And, I, some, I even said this back when, in the recession when CPA firms are letting people go. You don't go back. You, very rarely do you leave a CPA firm, go to work in the industry, and you come back. Rare, like maybe one percent. I, I have don't have any facts or figures on it. But then when the economy comes back, they go back to the people and say, "Hey, you want to come back to us?" And they go, "Hell no." <laughs> And they, you know, so, but that's been the, but that's been the model all along. And right. so why, why would you let them go? Figure mm. out a way, take a less. So you keep your people because if they walk out the door, they're not likely to come back. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting too, that, um, 
part of what you described, Peter, I think is, you know, the United States, in my opinion, has been a victim of uh, a lot of very capitalist oriented decision making approaches, even though we're actually a, a socialist capitalist uh, economy. And uh, if you don't believe that, then just you don't have to rewind very far to remember the too big to fail uh, era <laughs> of banking bailouts. You know, right, uh, right. If we were truly a, a free market economy. We've seen you know massive disruption uh, in our economy as a result mm-hmm. of of what happened with the the mortgage meltdown. Right. Um, but part of the reason that I bring that up is you know I'm married to someone who's from another country. And, you know, so a lot of the information that I receive isn't just U.S. bias based, <laughs> right? Uh, and I've also traveled all over the world and I've seen how other countries operate. And there isn't a, a developed nation that isn't a mixed socialist capitalist economy. And there's varying degrees to, to how that functions. But I think it's, it's also interesting as you look around the world to countries that aren't so hung up on this idea of being number one, right. And declaring it openly and often, <laughs> but, and, and yet you look in uh, economic rankings and you see that they're actually positioned in the top 10 economies in the world. And it's like, well, hang on a second, but they've got all these other things that I've heard would bankrupt this country. If we were to, you know, make those contributions to uh, society. And so I, I think there's, you know, I think we're starting to see sort of a, a forced, you know, rethinking of some of this simply because, as I mentioned before, there there is strength in numbers with a, a labor force right now that, uh, in many ways, is helping to reinvent the way that companies offer compensation and life balance benefit uh, to its uh, to its employees. Yes, it's interesting to watch this whole thing play out, and and it. I tend to think this is just really starting right now on how this mm-hmm. is ultimately going to play out. And we're going to see this through 2022, maybe by the end of 2022, when hopefully we are COVID's in the rearview mirror, but we've learned how to live with it and accept it and whatever that, whatever that may look like. I mean, just think about the corporate footprint within these large, that one uh, accounting firm in Boston, uh, because of what they, what their people said, Prior to the pandemic, they were getting ready to, to build, to lease out and build out their space. Well, they had to go back to the architects and make it smaller. And you see this corporate, you see that corporate footprint in these large urban areas starting to shrink. Yeah. 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 And what is that doing to the commercial real estate market? I mean, the, the oh, yeah. effect of this pandemic is the ripples just keep coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, you know, at the same time that we've seen the disruption to the the commercial real estate market, we've seen an increase in all of this other real estate investing. And part of that is attributed to the fact that the, the Fed has kept interest rates as low as they have for as long as they have. And it took some folks a little longer to catch up with the idea of that, but they start to realize, well, wait a second, this is actually a good time for me to leverage using someone else's money, a mortgage right. company. <laughs> right. And and rather than getting this trickle down effect of what the interest rate is providing to me with the stack of cash I keep in the bank, I'll put it over here in something that's actually got a higher appreciative yield. Uh, and you know the amount of interest that I have to pay out against the loan 
is actually insubstantial compared to what I'm getting as a result economically right, right. From, right. from what I'm receiving. Yeah. So, so is the housing market in Denver similar to what it is around here in Columbus where you, you put your house up for sale, let's say $300,000, you, you have a showing, and by Monday morning, people have made offers of $400,000 on your house. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know a market right now where it's not happening to a degree to that effect. But think about that. So I just I I decided I'm gonna just put my house up for sale because I'm yeah, I'm gonna reap the benefits here. Hmm. Okay, so I just sold my house. I made hundred thousand dollars more than I, I thought I was gonna make. Oh crap! Now I gotta go find a house. Yeah, I can see now that you're living in a broadcasting closet. That's exactly because I couldn't find anything because everything was so I was getting out bed the whole time. So if I had to find a place to live, the apartments market, that rental market has also exploded. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you knew this about me, but real estate investing is, is one of my side passions. And it's as an investor, what it's done is it's actually forced me to go a little outside of my comfort zone, looking at much larger properties. And so consequently, instead of looking at the types of properties that I would typically invest in, now I've been looking at things that are, you know, like 12 unit uh, you know, oh. buildings, or I've been looking at uh, empty parcels of land and have been talking with, you know, potential partners to do development because all of a sudden <laughs> the inventory doesn't exist, right. but there's still such high demand. And I, I think part of the shift that we're also seeing with some of the commercial real estate here is a lot of it's getting rezoned and repurposed to then accommodate for the demand uh, in the residential housing. So, well, I, and I think we're going to see quite a bit of that, you know, transition here in the next 12 to 18 months. So your real estate investments are primarily single family homes. Yep. yep. Okay. My buddy in, in Lexington, uh, been doing has, has somewhere between 15 and 20 homes mm-hmm. and he, he just retired and that was going to kind of be his retirement. Like, Hell no, I'm going to cash out my equity. Right. And he's, 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 he's pleaded his inventory from 20, I think maybe down to 10 with the goal of he might just keep five just to have something to do to get out of the house. <laughs> That's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, I, I think he's done in some aspects because we just had a conversation and he didn't mention that. Well, you know, I could go after some bigger properties. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he's, I think he's really just wants to, you know, Check out live in Lexington, Kentucky. Drink bourbon on his porch and uh, <laughs> enjoy life as it comes. You got a couple of grandkids, you know. That yeah. sounds pretty good too. But I probably would have kept those other handful of properties to make sure that my passive income was at a certain level. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> I could continue yeah. to live that way, worry free. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, do you think we've cured anything during this conversation? Well, you know, we've, we've cured, I think our own reckless desire to go entertain ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we have done, we have done that. <laughs> there's there, I think there's been some, uh, you know, gratuitous creation of content that we're trying to throw in front of other folks to help with their great distraction. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I you said that so profoundly. Uh, <laughs> But I think that uh, 
you know, th- this conversation could go on for a while and, and we'll come back and revisit it. Maybe we'll let Nick and, and Roxanne join us next time. Why uh, not? Why not? Yeah. yeah they're they're good not? for some laughs. <laughs> very, very much so good for some laughs. But I thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule because you do have a full-time W-2 job to go along <laughs> with your multiple part-time 1099 jobs that's or right one job right. whatever yeah. it may be yeah, yeah so i and, and and you have a family and you have one child too one i do family. yeah yeah i've got one one, one little guy who one just guy. crossed the threshold into the teen years oh no you know what's <laughs> happening now you were so cool in the in the single years now you're oh my god you're, you're gonna right. be so stupid you're gonna be so yes stupid. yeah i'm already yeah. there Oh God, my son. Yeah. He's 21. I don't know how he made it there, Brian. I, I really don't. I thought I was sort of, yeah. And, but he's, he's starting now to cusp into those early twenties where he's kind of going, that might've been right on some of this stuff. Yeah. He's just on the cusp of that. I, I uh-huh. can't wait. Right. right. The last 11 years have been hell. Well, you know, it's, uh, with all things come change, right? Impermanence is a, it's just something that we all have to learn to live with. And for those that, those of us that continue to age, we have to try to age as gracefully as possible. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I told you, I I turned, I turned 60, uh, I'm coming up on 61 in December and, uh, I take the sixties are like the new thirties. I mean, but. It's just some things you can't do that you, like touch your toes that you may be able to do in your forties or fifties. It's yeah, but right. yeah, but if, if if somebody told me the sixties were going to be like this, I would I would have believed them. But man, I, I do love this this next ten years coming up. Now the seventies, I'll, I'll reserve my my judgment until I get a little bit closer there. Well, it's it's never too late to start with some yoga. And, and that way, you know, by the time you get to your seventies, you might be appreciative that you spent your sixties doing a, a little yoga routine every day. Yeah, well, that's not a bad idea because I, I, I know somebody who teaches yoga. I said, do you have a class for older guys who are as flexible as a two by four? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm kidding. And she goes, she goes, Yes, because we, we treat everybody the same. And if you can't touch your toes, go as far as you can. And eventually you'll see them at some point if you stick with it. So maybe oh, I should take up yoga. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's uh, there's something to be said for yoga pants too. But what the response yeah. that I thought you were going to give was that the yoga instructor said, you know, Peter, for a price, anything is achievable. And when someone's getting up into your age bracket, the, the same yoga routine costs twice as much. And it's just because I know you've got more disposable income. <laughs> oh, I have to send her, I have to send her a link to this and say, make sure you at least you listen to the last part of it. Don't but give it her any ideas. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, buddy, uh, I'll let you get back to being a W2 guy for, for the rest of the remainder of the day out in beautiful Denver, Colorado. I thank you again for your time. I greatly appreciate it. It's good seeing you. And the four, the four of us have to get together in, in DC uh, or, or somewhere 
and, and spend a few days together because I think it'd just be an absolute blast. I'm with you. I agree to that. Well, thank you very much, Peter. It's always a pleasure and uh, it's an honor to be your guest. Thanks for having me today. You said honor. Now I'll owe another 20 bucks. <laughs> I want to thank Brian for his time in discussing the great resignation and the ramifications it can have on how we work in the future. I will conclude this with an improv quote. I think it's fitting for this interview. And it's very short and concise. Improv takes place in the present tense. Thank you. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.